Listen to my next interview with Alicia, where she talks about creating a creative coaching and wellness business, opening a business in China, and living in China during COVID. Welcome to the Are We Home Yet podcast, where we talk to expats about what it's like living abroad, and they tell their stories, whether it's the struggles, the joys, falling in love, raising a family, managing a business in another country, and maybe still searching for that place they will one day call home. This is a place where you can listen, the guest and host will share, and maybe we'll all learn from these stories that we're all connected in what home means to each of us. I'm your host, Jalila Clark. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Are We Home Yet podcast. All right, so today I have with me Alicia. So how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. All right. So we both live in Shanghai. So uh, what's your experience in Shanghai? I know mine, but what's your experience? Well, I love this city. I've been here for over eight and a half years, and it is such an amazing global place mm -hmm. full of opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I have enjoyed it enough to be here for this long and probably for at least another year or two, if not longer. What's really beautiful here is you get kinds of influences mm -hmm. from all different places and mm -hmm. you can have amazing French food. You can, you can have amazing Turkish food. You can have all kinds of amazing things here, but still see Chinese culture all around you. Mm -hmm. And you, I mean, especially more before COVID, but you can actually go to these other places very easily because the transportation system here is really nice between the mm -hmm. planes, the trains, uh, even renting cars isn't too expensive. Uh, it's a, it's really amazing. I think for me, the beautiful juxtaposition mm -hmm. of the old and new here is mm -hmm. what keeps me fascinated. I have seen, you know, you have this huge ancient Jing'an temple, this Buddhist temple that's just amazing. And it's right next to a huge, you know, uh, shopping mall. Mm -hmm. Literally in the same fit photo, you get the same too. And mm -hmm. everybody's okay with that. Nobody is protesting that. It's just they understand that there's progress, but they're still keeping a lot of their tradition and their culture. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so what prompted you to move to Shanghai specifically, but China in general? The best job offer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. uh, I, I was living in Seoul, uh, mm -hmm. Korea. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew that I liked Asia because Asia had the most difference uh, from the culture that I grew up in the USA. Mm -hmm. And I had always been fascinated by a lot of the Asian ways of thinking um, and some of the cultural traditions, uh, you know, meditations, prayer, you know, things like Buddhism. Uh, so I wanted to be in Asia. I knew that. Mm -hmm. So I came to Seoul and then I had to leave there because the school wasn't doing well. Mm -hmm. And I went to a job fair. I got several job offers from around the world. And the best one was here in Shanghai. And I was really excited. I didn't really know what moving to China meant. Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand the complexities of getting here mm -hmm. or, uh, or how special and lucky I was at that time to be able to get into a country that's not usually easy for expats to get into. Mm -hmm. uh, I appreciate, appreciate it now. 
uh, mm -hmm. especially. So yeah, and that's that's why I got here. I was a visual art teacher mm -hmm. uh, working for a very large American school. I'm originally from Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. so I'm in Allentown, kind of like the Billy Joel song, and mm -hmm. we're living here in Allentown. And then uh, it's between Philadelphia and New York, for those who don't know. Okay. Uh, I've And I was also living in Maryland. So mm -hmm. I'm originally from Pennsylvania, went to New York for a while, went to Maryland for a while, and then came straight from Maryland over to Seoul, South Korea for a year, and then down here to Shanghai, and here I've been. Okay. You created a business. Um, so, so tell us, you know, what, what is your business? What does it do? Like what services does it provide? You know, how long has it been in existence? Tell us all about it. Well, it all started because, uh, I was in art education positions and that, that started to, uh, uh those, some of those were getting eliminated because of lower enrollment and more expats leaving China. Mm -hmm. And so at this time I, I was supposed to go to a different country, but, uh, I was supposed to go to Indonesia for a really mm -hmm. great opportunity and they stopped taking pets mm -hmm. and animals of any kind because of COVID mm -hmm. and they actually eventually wouldn't even take goods. And I had to turn that job offer down. Like I was planning on going there. And after five months, like it was a couple months before I was supposed to go, I had to say no, because I'm, I'm not going to leave my cats behind. Mm -hmm. And so at that time I had to pivot. I had mm -hmm. to decide what to do. So I took another temporary teaching job mm -hmm. uh, and I talked to one of my great friends who had spent time with quarantine, um, in <laughs> with me. She, we had spent time in Thailand together, um, during the COVID situation. And then when I came back, uh, I told her, I said, I really want to open a wellness center. And she said, she said, well, let's open one in Thailand. And I said, yes, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But COVID is lasting for it seems ever. So mm -hmm. we said, okay, we can't do that. So then she, I said, what could we do? Like, where could we go? And she said, let's open a wellness center here then, mm -hmm. you know, we can open your center here. And I said, really? She mm -hmm. said, yeah. And that is what began my journey. And that was October of 2020. Mm -hmm. So from that moment on, I basically dedicated all of my time and energy to figuring out how to make everything work. So now we have, and, and so I created my own business first, which is creativity consulting. Mm -hmm. And that was my first business. And that is my creative coaching and consulting. And I help businesses and people to transform their lives through creative life coaching and creative yeah. business coaching. Mm -hmm. And then that gave me a good stability to be able to say, okay, now we're going to have soul well center, which is really a community of personal growth. Mm -hmm. We are trying to do wellness in a more creative and different way to help people to transform their lives but in all the areas, so mm -hmm. physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. So we have a huge team of coaches that are here. And when somebody comes in the door, we figure out what they need, what area of their life they want to work on. And they can either take workshops or they can work with the coaches mm -hmm. and the coaches can even talk to each other to find the right way to help people. Mm -hmm. Because usually people have more than one area of their life that they need to work on. Mm -hmm. So you can go to a financial coach, but if you're having mental mindset issues, 
you probably are going to need a, a cognitive coach mm -hmm. and, or you might have financial issues because you have an emotional thing. Well, then we have to give you an emotional coach. And those two coaches can actually get to the root of the problem and transform it. And mm -hmm. so because I have such a big team of coaches, this place not only serves those clients who need help to, in their personal growth, but it also serves as a community and an accelerator for the coaches and the wellness professionals themselves. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm doing this podcast with you through our live streaming room where we mm -hmm. have podcasting equipment, photographic equipment, live streaming equipment. We have uh, a room that is completely ready for co-working and, mm -hmm. and we have desks and we have people who come in and work on a regular basis. We have a downstairs huge yoga and event space. Mm -hmm. We also have a kitchen, actually several kitchens. And then upstairs, we even have a meditation nook, a very, very calm, beautiful little room with a fireplace for people to have small, intimate conversations. We have a creativity room and we have this beautiful glass room. It's kind of like a tree house where we have massage and Reiki. So what it's designed to do is when people come in, the professionals have a very cozy, creative place to work. Mm -hmm. that they take their creative visions and whatever they need, it's here. It's one-stop shopping. Mm -hmm. And the same thing for our clients. They can come in and whatever needs they have, they can get those from anybody who's here in, in cooperation. So yeah, that's what we do. Wow. Wow. That, that's really amazing. So like what, what made you think of like offering so many different services though, you know, besides just like say being a creative coach? That's a really great question. It started as feeling like there needed to be a different kind of wellness center. So in Thailand, the first step of the creative process for me was I saw in Thailand that there were all these places that were doing detoxes and massages and spa services. Mm -hmm. But then you go to the airport and the people are like eating a Big Mac and slurping down a soda. <laughs> so like this is not <laughs> this is not as this is not a, a, a transformation. Like mm -hmm. it, it's almost like it was a temporary thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that comes from different kinds of mindsets and also having a community that can help you to stay accountable mm -hmm. and give you that kind of inspiration to keep to the, the person you want to be. Mm -hmm. So then I said, okay, this is the first thing. I want a transformational center. I don't want something that's just going to give you a little bit and then you go and no, I want something that is more long-term. And for that, we're going to need to do coaching. And I had been doing coaching for a long time, um, a lot of it informally, but I've been doing a lot of coaching. So I was like, okay, let's coaching is the way that's going to help people the most. Mm -hmm. So let's do that. And then the next step was, as I said, okay, if I'm going to start working with coaches, I might as well go and get my certifications. So then I started going through all the certifications starting in October, NLP, ICF, uh, creativity. And that helped me because now that I was in that community of coaches, I'm like, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And they said, well, we need a desk mm -hmm. because even though we love working from home, sometimes it's really hard to work when your cat keeps laying on your keyboard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I said, mm -hmm. okay. And they also, I noticed a lot of these wellness professionals are feeling isolated, mm -hmm. you know, because it's beautiful to work from home. But after like a year of that, when you're not really seeing many people, it can get a little lonely and it's really hard to come up with creative ideas sometimes when you're not having any interactions with anybody else because mm -hmm. you miss that collaboration. So I said, okay, 
Now I'm gonna make sure that part of the wellness center has a space where the coaches can be. And then I noticed that a lot of the coaches to sustain themselves really have to do more hybrid things and mm-hmm. online things, whether it's podcasts like what you're doing mm-hmm. or video or photography. So I said, let's make sure that there's a room for that so that they can creatively do their media work. Mm-hmm. And then the creativity room was basically one of my babies where you know a lot of people are doing more and more work with visual things. Mm -hmm. So they're mind mapping or they're doing visual organization or bullet journaling or things like that to make sure that they can have a little bit of creativity, but also more productivity by using our visual senses, which are a big part of how we live. Mm -hmm. So we needed to have a creativity room as well. And then from there, once we found the space, everything was able to come together. So it was really listening to people Mm-hmm. and what they needed mm-hmm. and it just grew from a wellness center into this and the last thing i will say is mm-hmm. when it comes to serving clients which is the other people that we serve because one is the professionals and the other is the the clients who come to the professionals i was talking to so many people mm-hmm. who are going to like three different coaches oh really <laughs> Yes. Yes. Because I mean, coaching is amazing, but I'll be like, well, I have my therapist and I have my financial coach and then I have my physical coach and I'm thinking of starting with this, uh, you know, this, this cognitive coach and I'm like, oh, okay. And do any of them talk to each other? A lot of times when people have problems in multiple areas, there are things that are happening in each of those areas that are similar mm-hmm. because usually the roots of a lot of our problems, uh, there's patterns of behavior mm-hmm. and, and those patterns of behavior manifest themselves in the different areas of that wellness wheel in those different areas of the wellness wheel of life in your life. So what I said was, well, this is kind of ridiculous. Like if you go to different doctors, three different doctors to kind of get yourself healthier, usually they kind of want to know about each other, mm-hmm. but even they don't always talk. Mm-hmm. but the really good ones do. So, and my sister's a doctor. So I said, you know what, let's try a different model. And that's where I started to come up with, let's have the coaches here become a community. And then when they're helping somebody, they can actually work with each other so that they're not using the same thing and the same procedures. Mm-hmm. And they can probably solve the problems faster if they're working together. You know, were you an entrepreneur before this? And 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 if not, like how did you find the resources, the 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 people, the to help you with, you know, lots of different things to create and successfully run a business in a completely different country. Yes. Uh and you I <laughs> in a completely <laughs> different country. Sorry. Uh, it is no joke. It is yeah. no joke to open a, a business in China. A lot of people here say, if you can open a business in China, you mm-hmm. can open a business pretty much anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am not fluent in Mandarin. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I'm actually very poor in the local language, which mm-hmm. is, is difficult. Mm-hmm. So what, what happened here is I actually had my own business when I was in the USA. I got a certificate in creative entrepreneur from, um, in entrepreneurship from Maryland Institute College of Art mm-hmm. uh, many years ago. And I had my own art center. So I noticed that art education was getting eliminated due to the No Child Left Behind Act that was in the USA. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, I had won a national award for art education and mm-hmm. I came back from that meeting mm-hmm. and sat in my principal's office, I came back from getting this award, mm-hmm. right, in another state and was looking outside her window at the sign out front of the school that was congratulating me on this award mm-hmm. as she told me that she was cutting my art department and one of my people was going to be losing her job mm-hmm. and she was pregnant too. So that didn't help. Mm-hmm. So I, at that moment, like something snaps, right. And I'm a person who's, if I've really am passionate and believe in something, I'm, I'm going to fight for it. So mm-hmm. I said, listen, if the schools are going to keep doing this and I know that the kids need art because they need the creativity and they're not getting it. Uh, I'm just going to open my own school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I did. I bought a property uh, in Maryland and I did a whole one-stop shopping kind of thing there for, for art education. Mm-hmm. So we had classes for children through adults. Mm-hmm. We had an art gallery. We mm-hmm. sold artwork done by our people, by our students, by our instructors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we sold art materials. I had a full glass blowing and metal smithing, mm-hmm. um, well, lamp working, but yeah, mm-hmm. all of that. And what I did from that business, I learned a lot because I opened it. And two months later, uh, the financial crisis happened in the U S so that oh, was fun, goodness. but we managed to, we managed to stay okay. And I did that for six years, mm-hmm. but I did it while working full time. I learned a lot from that experience. I made a lot of mistakes. I learned a lot of things from it. And in the end, because of all the taxes and all the insurances in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, I felt like I was spinning my wheels. And that's why one day I had the epiphany to just go abroad. So I sold everything, sold it all, mm-hmm. sold the business, sold the house, sold the car, uh, the equipment, everything. And that's when I went to Korea. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I came here, um, I really actually, I actually told myself I was never going to have another brick and mortar business again (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it's a lot to maintain and it's a lot of overhead. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then I started to see the need for wellness, especially with COVID happening Mm -hmm. and needing to see a different kind of solution. I originally was going to start with an online platform and then have a brick and mortar business like this. Uh, but just because of my business partner and the way things worked with the universe, mm-hmm. I did it the other way around. Uh, starting a business in another country is a very different experience, mm-hmm. right? Because when I was in the USA, it wasn't easy. It's never easy anywhere to start mm-hmm. a business. But you can more easily find the connections to find the resources to figure out what the legalities are and what you need to do. Mm-hmm. In a country where you're not speaking the language and especially not reading the language, that's the big one. It's a lot more difficult because you need to make sure you're dotting the I's and crossing the T's, but you you need to know what those are, Mm -hmm. right? So fortunately for me, a lot of people believed in the vision and I have been here so long that I have really amazing, amazing connections and people uh, that help this to come together. So we even had my, I call my volunteer mm-hmm. <laughs> So mm-hmm. we had uh, really beautiful coaches who volunteered to help to make it happen. Uh, the filmmaking, things like that. We even still have a couple of them who are still helping us. And they helped me so much to get it together. I think anybody who is starting a business 
you need to make sure you have a clear support network established mm-hmm. ready because there there is nothing like starting a business and there is so much of it that is about introspection and really figuring out who you are and how you're going to present that and then fit that into a business to help people or mm-hmm. you know even to make money so you need the support not only for getting stuff done but you need the support emotionally uh, and psychologically so that as you're going through this self-reflection work opening this business because it's going to test you you have those people there who are going to be cheering you on and helping you mm-hmm. uh, behind the scenes so i think i was really lucky with that and my business partner she has been here she's from hong kong she has a business here as well she does events marketing so mm-hmm. she knew a lot of that stuff about the business setup and the intellectual property so that connection with her was also really wonderful mm-hmm. and then the last connection happened by accident uh, i wasn't sure we were going to actually be able to open because we couldn't seem to find the right place we needed mm-hmm. a bigger space and it's not easy to find a well located big space for a decent price in shanghai mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like in new york right mm-hmm. uh, and she has an office she had to move her office and then two buildings over from her office this place was coming open wasn't even on the market yet mm-hmm. so she said do you want to see it and i said sure we came mm-hmm. over and i said well all these walls have to go but it's really cool mm-hmm. and she said okay mm-hmm. and then she's like well the the landlord can be here in 20 minutes i'm like really mm-hmm. and she's like yeah sure so we went we waited for her she walks into the real estate office and it's a woman she has this awesome buddhist tattoo speaks english and is a single mom of two and i was and it was like you know in your head you're like oh because this is the perfect person you know it's so rare and and by the way this entire business was started by single female mm-hmm. all all of us were single women mm-hmm. so so then she asked what do you want to use the space for and i said i want to open a creative wellness center and she said that's actually why i got the space but i couldn't figure out how to do it so mm-hmm. i made it into like apartments mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> and it was just like that yeah it's like that clandestine moment and you're like okay this has to this is it this is mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. and the papers and everything were done in 24 hours it's fast so you know that's the other thing about here there are some things here that are super fast like mm-hmm. in the u.s you, you usually can't close a real estate deal in 24 hours mm-hmm. um, but we managed to do that and then the renovations were a lot more challenging mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know so i think in any country one of the things i would urge to people who are going to open a business in another country is ahead of time try to figure out what are going to be the things that go fast and what are the things that are going to be slow Mm -hmm. and make sure that you have your connections set for those things that are going to go slow and a lot for that because we had a lot of issues with um, renovations we actually ended up having three different renovators um, in the in the long run Mm -hmm. um, that we worked with and um, architecturally i ended up having to do the architecture work Mm -hmm. because the stuff that was coming at us was not creative Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah so i think that that was it uh i would say very challenging very very challenging but again if you can do it in another country then you can do it anywhere mm. and so if you if you're up for a challenge then do it 
Hey, if you're enjoying the show, make sure you subscribe and join our community via Facebook and Instagram by typing in Are We Home Yet Podcast and Twitter by typing in Are We Home Yet Pod, where we share resources, you can interact with our guest, and you have a chance to tell your story as a former, current, or future expat, and of course, be a part of our community. The social media links are also at the bottom of the page on the AreWeHomeYetPodcast.com website as well. Okay, back to the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So far, what has been your demographic? I mean, is it more expats or more locals or, or an even mix of the both that have been using your facility? Yeah, we we're actually uh, started out more expat and now we're going to more of a balance between uh, more local and expat. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we anticipate within the next year or two years because of the ever facing, ever changing face of the demographics here, especially with the expats in China, we're going to have a majority of Chinese people here. Mm-hmm. Typically, the people who are coming here are 25 to 45 year olds. Mm-hmm. And we are trying to do stuff for women and men because we find a lot of men don't have a lot of safe spaces for wellness. Mm-hmm. And we really want to start making wellness really cool for men too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've actually had some success with that. We are targeting, for the most part, the Chinese people who have a global mindset, who have either gotten education outside of China Mm. or who have traveled or have influence from that. Because just like a lot of us expats are kind of a little bit stuck here and can't be home to, you know, see our family and be in that Western environment, Mm. some of the people here are used to traveling and also appreciate things about the Western environment and they can't really get a lot of it mm-hmm. because they are also kind of stuck here with the, with sometimes their families. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so we're finding a lot of people like that. Mm-hmm. And it's been actually really beautiful because there's been some people who have talked about how China is pushing out foreigners, mm-hmm. but there've been so many beautiful Chinese people who are, are so open and appreciative of those of us who are here Mm -hmm. and appreciate that global mindset and that cultural exchange. And those are some of the main people that we are working to serve. In the beginning, like how long did it take before, you know, you, you were seeing like enough clients before there was enough interest? Were you ever worried that the business might not work out? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that as a business owner, you always have to have a little bit of that preparation in mm-hmm. your mind, but you need to manifest the abundance. Mm-hmm. So you have to believe that it's going to work out. We've only been open for about two and a half months. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so we are newer. So we are still building our schedule. It's still mm-hmm. becoming more and more. Um, the first initial stages are always trial and error. Mm-hmm. right? Figuring out what works, what, what happens, what, what doesn't happen. What's, what do people really want? Now we've done market research and we ask, but sometimes you do this market research and you ask people what they want. And then when you have it, the commitment doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. So you have to really feel out your market once you're open and go from there. 
I would say that the, some of the biggest hurdles that we had in the beginning were getting the operations together at the same time. Because operational systems, a lot of people don't talk about that much. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing this because I've gone to so much entrepreneurial stuff mm-hmm. and they don't talk, talk about it. They talk about, oh, here's how to market and here's how to yeah. get your idea and your market, target market audience. But once you've got that, how do you keep things running efficiently? Yeah. And not many people talk about that. So we had banked on using a mini program mm-hmm. to help us with that. And my business partner had this vetted and the person even came in from the mini program company and I interviewed them ahead of time and we opened and we're set to put the classes in the day after opening mm-hmm. and it wouldn't do half of the stuff they said it was going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what mm-hmm. am I going to do? now um and we had to pivot and we had to pivot fast Mm -hmm. so we had to find ways to make it work in that time and then i looked for other platforms and now we are using that a little bit Mm -hmm. but we're actually moving towards a different platform Mm -hmm. um and that is creating a lot more stability Mm -hmm. and it has a lot more functionality so i think the technology and the operational systems I really wish we would have had that a little bit more together before the opening. And Mm. I would say that that would be advice I would give to some of the entrepreneurs. We had hoped to do that ahead of time, but when you're renovating a space, they were still doing renovations after the opening for like a week, Mm -hmm. you know, because even though we had renovated for like several months, there were still lots of little things that had to be fixed. Mm -hmm. Um, There were things being painted like two days before we opened. Um, and China is good about getting things done fast, but if you're really doing a lot of stuff with quality, and this is probably any country, if you want something done with quality, you really have to pay attention to it Mm -hmm. and you have to demand that quality from the people who are working for you. Mm -hmm. And we had to do a lot of management to make sure that things in the space were done well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that took a lot of time away from getting those operational systems set up before we opened. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're just starting at this point to start hitting our stride. We're trying to hire a full-time person. We're, we're working on getting another intern in and we have uh, two part-time employees. So once we have the full-time person, we're hoping that everything's going to go full on and we're starting to get booked. My goal is to have something in here uh, at least eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. because do that. So what have been the struggles and joys of being a business owner and then struggles and joys of being an expat? Mm. Okay. Good questions. The first one, mm-hmm. um, I think one of the biggest struggles as, as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. is the responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's you. Yeah. It's yeah. on you. Mm-hmm. When you go down this path, um, especially like, you know, I have two businesses here now. I never thought I would be able to say that, but I have mm-hmm. two businesses in China and, and the first one's totally me. And this other one, I am the main person, you know, I have my co-founder, but I'm the main person doing most of the work. Mm-hmm. If things fail, I'm responsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if other people aren't doing the stuff that they say they're going to do, or, you know, even if they do whatever happens, good or bad. Mm-hmm. At the end, the buck stops with me. Mm-hmm. And that responsibility hits you at mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. right? So when some things go wrong, 
you have to have people to help you stay in the right mindset mm -hmm. to overcome that because mm -hmm. a lot of fear and doubt can happen. Yeah. Um, the joy is I get to create. I'm a creative, I'm a creative coach, you know, yeah. um, I get to create these beautiful things to help people and serve people. Mm -hmm. So the selfish part is I get to create and I get mm -hmm. to be creative. Mm -hmm. But the nice, beautiful thing about that is I've chosen to do businesses that help others and to see when two people connect mm -hmm. and they get the help that they need and their life starts to change. I get to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And what a blessing that is, mm -hmm. you know, what a joy, you know, it's, it's kind of miraculous, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I really appreciate that as an expat, the mm -hmm. biggest difficulty uh, has been the language. Yeah. I've tried several times to learn it, mm -hmm. um, but I haven't, and I'm not going to say it's because Chinese is harder because I'm not sure that that mindset is, is beneficial to anybody, mm -hmm. but I, this city moves fast mm -hmm. and I have not found a way to invest the kind of time and energy into learning the language mm -hmm. that would allow me to be proficient. Yeah. So navigating these, these things, um, talking to renovators and, and talking to businesses and contracts. Oh my gosh. Try to make mm -hmm. contracts when you don't know the language. Mm -hmm. It's that's the biggest challenge for me. Mm -hmm. Luckily I've find people to help you. But mm -hmm. still to find people to help you is an extra step and it takes more time. It's more time consuming. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's probably the biggest hurdle. The second biggest challenge I think is an expat is really understanding the cultural differences. After being here eight years, by the time we open, I thought I knew mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I've been here eight years. I'm like these Chinese culture, like I get it, but there are subcultures within the cultures mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the business culture in China is a whole nother can of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really fully understand it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something else that any expat has to realize what, how are people operating businesses? What are the formal structures, but what is the informal non-tangible stuff? Mm -hmm. How are deals really done? Mm -hmm. And what cultural norms do I have to abide by or, you know, stay within in order to keep the business running? Mm -hmm. So that that's it. The biggest joy, honestly, is the connections for me. Yeah. I love connections, mm -hmm. you know, and it's one of my main it's one of our main core values here. It's one of the main things I speak about. But uh, I even posted something on social media. I through all of this business, I've become a lecturer uh, mm -hmm. for an executive business administration, ex administration program through mm -hmm. Jiao Tong University. Mm -hmm. And this, this global EBA program has a lot of executives and business people who are upping their skills. And, and uh, I met a really beautiful Chinese soul. Mm -hmm. She's just an amazing person. And she invited me for Chinese New Year. Mm -hmm. And we just had a really great time, you know? Uh, and even though I was the only person in the room who, who didn't speak Chinese languages, it was just a beautiful thing. And that connection was really a beautiful that I mm -hmm. will cherish. I think as an expat, being able to share your culture and receive 
this this knowledge of other people's cultures and be able to see things from a different point of view mm -hmm. is just there is no amount of money that you can put on that it's it's just priceless i i also think that as an expat it's a beautiful thing because when you're stepped away from your own culture mm -hmm. it also helps you to see it differently <laughs> yeah. and sometimes you can right you can appreciate mm -hmm. it more when you step back out of it and you're not all up in it mm -hmm. you can step back and say okay i can look back and this is what i see i mm -hmm. see the good and the bad but i see it in a different way because i'm not so caught up in it i'm not mm -hmm. standing on it mm -hmm. i can see it mm -hmm. and that that perspective i think really helps a lot of expats to gain wisdom faster mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, you know, so, so then like, what, what's your day to day like at work? And then when you have downtime, I'm working on trying to build routines. Mm -hmm. I've uh, recently been doing some work with Atomic Habits, <laughs> the mm -hmm. book Atomic oh, Habits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like yeah, that book. Yeah. Really great book. Yeah. And uh, I, I have to say, I, I have been so creative that I didn't even have like a morning routine. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was so resistant to any kind of routine. So when you ask what my day to day is, the, the beautiful thing is every day is different. Mm -hmm. So I will have coaching some days. I have meetings with people. A lot of times I'm having meetings where I'm collaborating with somebody. And mm -hmm. that's, I mean, even my coaching is really a co-creation collaboration. All of these things are usually meeting with people. Mm -hmm. or spending time on my own creating, whether it's systems or projects or programs or experiences. Mm -hmm. So I am working really hard to have an equal amount of time here at the center mm -hmm. and then an equal amount of time at home because one of the reasons that I left traditional teaching is so that I could have more flexibility in my schedule and have more grounding time at home because mm -hmm. I'm, actually, I'm actually a social introvert. Mm -hmm. So I love people and I love connecting people, but I really need to energize by being by myself sometimes. So I have been working to design this, this life in a way that honors that mm -hmm. and allows me to balance my energy. And hopefully that helps a lot of the other people who are working to do the same. Okay. I would say that, um, in my downtime, mm -hmm. I have three three cats that I've rescued, one from mm -hmm. Korea and two from China. Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time with them. Um, they, they're the reason I'm still here, and I love them amazingly. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of journaling. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been doing increasingly some more writing. Mm -hmm. I'm getting back to my writing now that things have kind of settled with this. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been spending, especially now that things are starting to stabilize with the business, spending more time with friends. Mm -hmm. Because when you open a business, like it's like having a baby. You just don't yeah. have time the way that you want to to honor the connections that you have. Mm -hmm. And you know the, the really strong connections, they'll understand and they'll give you a couple months until you can get it together. Also learn who your friends are and aren't. Oh, yes. Oh right? my God, yes, Ooh. yes. Ooh. 
you know, I've started this podcast and I completely understand what you're saying because, you know, I, I'm interviewing people from many different countries, you know, at lots of different times, you know, 2 a.m. Because, you know, like it's 2 a.m. for me, but, you know, it's the afternoon for them. And so, you know, I want to be respectful and appreciative of the time that they're giving me. So, yeah, there are many times when, you know, I'm doing interviews back to back to back to back. And no, I cannot, I cannot attend your thing. I cannot, you know, meet up for this. And it's like, you know, it's not that I don't want to, but this is important to me. It is. And so, yeah, so I appreciate what you're saying. You know, you do figure out who your friends are, the people who see like that spark, that joy, that exuberance that, that, that you have for, for what you're working on. They'll say, wow, you look happy. You look, you know, you look like, you look fulfilled, you know, so please go keep doing because I love seeing that, you know? So yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And the thing is, like you're saying, once you have that fulfillment and that, mm -hmm. that beautifulness within you, mm -hmm. you're going to be able to spread that out to other people, yeah, but it yeah. takes a little time to get there. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and some people, like some of my closest friends I was just amazed. They, they stepped up mm -hmm. and stepped in and mm -hmm. actually those people were by my side, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, like the night before the opening, we were like positioning furniture cause it was down to the wire, you mm -hmm. know? And, um, one of my, my friends, uh, who I actually used to coach, but you know, is also a friend now. And he, he was like, we were telling jokes and I was so stressed, right? Cause the next day is the opening mm -hmm. and we were just putting the furniture around telling jokes and it was great. Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, okay. And those moments, right? You remember that because those people are there for you at the bottom. And so when you get to the top, hopefully you're still honoring those people who were there at your lower moments or mm -hmm. your stressful moments. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, you also have to I also have learned you have to make sure that you don't retreat so much mm -hmm. that the connections that you want, mm -hmm. you have to at least once in a while say, Hey, I know that I've been really busy. I just want mm -hmm. you to know I'm thinking of you or how mm -hmm. are you? Mm -hmm. I think sometimes some of my friends get to a workaholic mode where they forget mm -hmm. that human part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I had a, like probably about a month where I was doing that. And then I stopped myself and I'm like, no, 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 I need to, yeah. to do that. And yeah. So, yeah. But the other, and the other thing is you have to make sure that you don't stay mm -hmm. in a dysfunctional relationship with your work, yeah. especially as yeah. an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. right? And it is an expat because for us, our expats, our jobs and our businesses, they are crucial mm -hmm. to how we live our life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like more yeah. than the U.S., right? Yeah. Even, I mean, it's crucial to everybody, but when you're in another country, my visa is dependent upon my business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The way my day looks is dependent on my business. Mm -hmm. The people, the circles that I'm in mm -hmm. is dependent on my business. And because I'm not at home with family and it's not as easy to connect with people who are local, mm -hmm. you know, I have to be even more cognizant and treat that as a more special thing because it's the source of so much of my life. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, you have to have, you have to treasure it, but you also have to keep your connections at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now a lot of those people, they, they are saying, Hey, you know, when things are stable, just let me know and I'll meet up with you. And mm -hmm. 
yeah. And then they come back, like you said, and it's like nothing ever happened, but then mm-hmm. there's, they are proud of you. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing you you also find, you also find the people who are jealous and the few people who are supporting yes. you. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> it took me several years here to figure it out. And, you know, before that, I, I really was just, you know, kind of just wasting my time here. And yeah, and then wondering like, well, how come I, how come I'm not happy like that person? You know, I'm, I'm here too. And I, I have access to the same things. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until like I found the, the passion. Um, yeah. So, so I completely understand. Sometimes people see that and they're like, oh, well, you know, why do they have this? Or, but, but it's just because they, they found it. it it's not like it just dropped from the air. You know, it, it could have taken years, but they found it. And, you know, I, I always like to think that like, hopefully everyone finds their passion one day. You know what I mean? I mean, I hate to yeah. think like any of us are like on this earth, you know, to like live like the life that we don't want to live. You know, I, I mean, I'm always hopeful that, that we all can live the life we want to live. I'm, I'm always hopeful of that as naive as that sounds, but. <laughs> I don't think it's naive at all. I mean, I think that that is, one of the primary things is we all have to find our purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things a lot of coaches are doing, I actually had a conversation this morning with somebody who Mm -hmm. I'm going to be coaching. Mm -hmm. um, And it is about finding your purpose Mm -hmm. and finding the strategies to get towards your goals once Mm -hmm. you've figured those out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why the coaching movement is growing because Mm -hmm. people are starting to get out of the hamster wheel of Mm -hmm. just working and Mm -hmm. spinning their wheels because the pandemic pretty much just smacked us all across the face and it was a wake up call. Yeah. And now the nice thing about coaching is it helps you to fast track that process. Mm -hmm. So if you really have a good coach, instead of spending several years figuring out your purpose, you might be able to do it in a couple of months with a coach, Mm -hmm. you know, to do that work. And I think that that's part of it. And the people who are usually having this kind of, I mean, jealousy is just one kind of facet, Mm -hmm. but it all comes from an insecurity. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's really yeah. the basis. And, and that's what I've, I'm learning. So, I mean, I don't, I don't usually get angry or upset with people because mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I have a degree in psychology, so I already see like a lot of where stuff can come from. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do start to see the more secure you become, mm-hmm. you start to see the people around you, mm-hmm. their insecurities start having more contrast. Yeah. With, your securities and they start to see it and sometimes they react well with that and step up and Mm. change it and sometimes they are not ready to do that and so Mm -hmm. they will project or do something else to kind of shield themselves Mm -hmm. and yeah I think it's I think people also don't realize that but you know this is actually exactly what happens with expats Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. It's the same thing. You Mm -hmm. don't even have to be starting a business. As soon as you leave home, Mm -hmm. all those people who wish they were traveling Mm -hmm. are going to have some different feelings and emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them will get closer to you because they are going to live vicariously or be inspired by you. Mm -hmm. And others are going to distance because they don't want the reminder of who they want to be that they're not yet. When you talk about your dreams, Mm -hmm. the more times you use the word, but the more time you end up staying on yours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just from this conversation, I could really see how 
coaching with you can be so helpful because it's like, you know, I know like I'm talking more about myself and, and, you know, in interviews, I mean, I try to like ask people, you know, lots of stuff about themselves. So I could see how coaching would be very, very helpful with you. <laughs> yeah. So then, Thank so you. then let me ask you something. Um, so I'll start with something you said recently, and then I'll go back to something else. So the most recent thing you said about a client, but then the thing before that was about visa. So I'll ask you those two things. So like, so clients how do you find clients like what do you do like where, where do they come from like how do they find you they come from a whole bunch of different things uh i feel like a lot of the the coaches and solopreneurs and wellness professionals mm -hmm. right now a lot of those are coming from having to do different kinds of things mm -hmm. whether it's some social media mm -hmm. Uh, it's some, but a lot of the stuff is coming from either events or workshops or mm -hmm. things like that, that I do. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is probably the biggest thing that happens. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the, you know, for example, the, there's three people that I've been working with and that I've been talking to who I'm mm -hmm. probably signing this week as clients mm -hmm. and they all came from events that I either attended or spoke at. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the biggest thing. But one of the reasons why this center was created was I'm starting to get more and more people who come to me and say, Hey, I need help. I need a coach. And I've actually, it's, I love it. Mm -hmm. I love being able to find out just a little bit about somebody, find out what their challenge is, mm -hmm. and then creatively connect them to the one or two people that are going to help to, to make that a solution. Mm -hmm. and a growth. And so that's eventually where we're going. Mm -hmm. We have um, new partnerships with people too. So that's the next step. So now we're doing more partnerships. Uh, we have one coming up with an actual medical clinic uh, and we're going to be working together because sometimes some of the people we have have medical issues and sometimes some of their people have wellness issues. And this way we're able to kind of work and refer together and mm -hmm. Uh, share minds and, and some of their professionals can come and work with some of our professionals and mm -hmm. we're all growing. So mm -hmm. when it comes to finding leads for people who are going to be clients, it's usually word of mouth or it's that they've seen a presentation or they've seen me at an event networking. Mm -hmm. Eventually it's going to get to the point where I'm probably more well known and mm -hmm. people are like, okay, she does this. I need this. I'm going to come to her. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that that's, that's going to come soon because I'm, I don't like, I don't, I've done stuff with sales and I've, mm -hmm. I've taken a class on it, mm -hmm. but only because you have to be able to present what you have to offer mm -hmm. so that people who need that help can find it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But the pushy sales stuff, I don't, I don't like. I'm <laughs> yeah. not all about that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, going backwards to the visa thing that you mentioned, you know, like your visa is dependent on the business. So then like, what's the visa process like for being a business owner? Is it more difficult or easier than, than when you actually worked for an employer? And what was the difference also in the visa process in South Korea? Oh, um, they're two completely different animals. Uh, Korea, Korea wasn't, I wouldn't say any, whenever you're working in another country, the visa, especially if you're working is not easy. Mm -hmm. um, I think most people know that. Mm -hmm. So easy is not a label I would put on it. Mm -hmm. I think it's doable mm -hmm. in pretty much any country. 
some of them have more requirements than others. Mm-hmm. In Korea, that was nine and a half years ago. And back at that time, I had to get the documents and the school that I was working for took care of a lot of it. When you are working for a company, it's easier because they have people who do that full time usually, Mm -hmm. or they've outsourced to somebody who does it full time. So they know all the ins and the outs. Mm -hmm. It makes it a lot easier. And then they send stuff in bulk. They have connections with the people in the offices, in the immigration offices. So I find that when you are coming in to a company that's already established, it's a little easier to get in. Mm -hmm. Um, Having it on your own, Again, you have to really know a lot of the laws and the rules, and you really have to be making sure that you're reading up on that. So it is time. Mm -hmm. It's time that you have to spend making sure you're up on that. Uh, I have lost several friends who have had to leave here Mm -hmm. uh, because of changing regulations. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm a very upfront person, if you hadn't noticed. So Mm -hmm. let's just be honest here on this podcast. There are a lot of changing regulations and Mm -hmm. a lot of people had to leave China and Mm -hmm. a lot of people have chosen to leave China because it's harder. Yeah. It is. is. I mean, it is harder when they're asking for more documents, more certified documents. And if you're already here, it's hard to get certified documents from another country, Mm -hmm. especially when those countries are dealing with COVID and a lot of offices are closed. Mm -hmm. So it has been difficult. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say that I I hired somebody for quite mm-hmm. a few thousand U.S. dollars to take care of this stuff for me, mm-hmm. um, but there were still some things that were issues that needed to be fixed. Mm-hmm. So uh, then I went with somebody else, and I'm on my third person within a year to mm-hmm. try to help me through this stuff. Mm-hmm. So when I got my visa and my work permit, I had the company that I originally hired, and then I actually hired a second company to make sure the first company was doing what they needed to. Oh, okay. I have found that that's a little, there's a little, I guess, life hack or mm-hmm. business hack for people. Mm-hmm. I had a second renovator helping to make sure that the first renovator got whatever stuff needed to be done. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with my visa. I had one visa agent and then I got a second visa agent so that I made sure that between two people, yeah, a lot more likely that things mm-hmm. were going to go through. And they were, they were very smooth. So mm-hmm. I think that it is more challenging in China mm-hmm. and even educational. I had two different education jobs here. And when I went from the first to the second, I had to get different authentic, authenticated documents and between six years. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I came in six years later, I changed jobs for that one year mm-hmm. and I had to actually get more documents, even though I already had a visa for mm-hmm. the same kind of work. Mm-hmm. And then when I started the business, I had to have different documents. Mm-hmm. And I had to go through that. So a lot of it is about documents, knowing the right people and hiring the right people. Oh, I know people, horror stories. Some of the people who had to leave the country hired the wrong agents. Mm-hmm. They hired agents who weren't reputable mm-hmm. and it really messed them up mm-hmm. and they had to leave. So mm-hmm. be very, I think the, the key here is when you're in another country, do the best you can to understand the rules and the regulations. Mm-hmm. And make sure that you're following them or that the people that you're hiring are mm-hmm. helping you to follow them. Mm-hmm. And it changes a lot. Mm-hmm. So you have to do your best to keep up on that, which means a lot of reading. Once things are totally solidified with this center, we also are looking to open a similar one in Thailand. 
and mm. we've actually been looking at real estate for that. Okay. Uh, and then from there, we are also looking at locations in the U.S., Portugal, and Italy. Mm -hmm. So the goal would be eventually that this becomes a more global uh, thing for mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. And then we'll also have the online component that will happen as well. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I, this is, for me, this is one step in a enterprise that can really help a lot of people. And then the final end game, which most people don't know, mm -hmm. is that once these places are established mm -hmm. and they are successful, some of the extra income is going to be going, some of the extra profit is going to go towards opening some centers like this with slightly different purposes mm -hmm. in developing countries. Mm, okay. So we already okay. have plans for, I already have plans for one in Ghana, mm -hmm. uh, South Africa, and then we'll, we'll branch out from there because mm -hmm. in those locations though, the focus of the creative wellness will be a lot more about incubation mm -hmm. of, businesses and wellness programs in the country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What has been your quality of life here? And I mean, honestly, it sounds like you're really at peace, but you know, I'll let you answer like, what's your quality of life here? And has being this business owner with all of these plans, you know, to really do a lot of good, has that made your quality of life better? Right now, I would say that there are some parts of my life that are better. I like to be able to wake up and go mm -hmm. to sleep when I need to. Mm -hmm. My rhythm was never to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to go teach at a school. Oh, I know. I, it was never oh, right. Yeah. I'm sorry, but it's just not me. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of times our culture does not honor mm -hmm. the rhythms of our individual bodies. Mm -hmm. And so I've been very lucky that that has been a better quality. Mm -hmm. I like the flexibility. I like to be able to create. I like to have the stress not be coming from toxic work environments and things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. But I'm also going to say that a lot of people try to sell the whole entrepreneurship thing and glamorize it mm -hmm. and say, oh, and you'll make all these millions. Of mm -hmm. Most people don't. Yeah. And yeah. especially not right away. Mm -hmm. So if, you're, if I'm going to be honest, which I actually clearly always am, mm -hmm. right? It's not, it's not easy. There are 12 to 15 hour days, but sometimes in life, you have these unbalanced periods to pave the way for a much better balance in the future. Mm -hmm. And so I see this time as a time where I'm investing a lot of time and energy to really manifest what's coming up. Mm -hmm. And I was just watching something by um, Tony Robbins and I, I love this. He said, he said, what did he say? Affirmations without implementation is the fast road to delusion. Mm. <laughs> God, he says the best things. Oh my goodness. I loved it. I love the way he, he makes things so simple. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the thing is, I see so many people who do these vision boards and these journals and, mm -hmm. and I do them too. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have a strategy to implement them, it is going to happen. And part of that, that strategy and implementation is you got to show up and do the work. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people glamorize the entrepreneurial thing and they don't understand. No, you're going to work. You're going to work your butt off. Mm -hmm. But it's probably going to be a lot 
more rewarding and lead to a lot more balance later, but you got to be prepared that when you start that business, it's not going to make money usually to enough in the beginning. That's typical. I mean, if you're, if it's a brick and mortar, it's usually several years, right? Mm -hmm. Like some businesses in the U S I think the figure is usually five years until Mm -hmm. it completely starts making a profit. Mm -hmm. Um, but you have to look at that and you have to be realistic with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you know, all this stuff, like even yourself, you're on this personal journey. Mm-hmm. How much money have you spent? I mean, you don't have to answer this, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind mm-hmm. of rhetorical, but you <laughs> spent money on certifications, yeah. on classes, yeah. on networking. Yeah. Uh, and you spent how much time and energy have you also spent thinking about it mm-hmm. and strategizing and planning? Mm-hmm. And people don't value that the way they should. It yeah. takes a lot yeah. of mental energy mm-hmm. to create. Yeah. 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 It does. Yeah. And, you know, like in terms of like, like non-monetary, um, yeah, non-monetary yeah. ways that you are investing in your business, you know? So yeah, you know, like lack of sleep and, you know, I, I spoke with one entrepreneur and she's like, you know, she's been working 12 hour days, you know, it's fulfilling, but you know, obviously you can't sustain that, you know, for too, too long. Uh, but, yeah, you know, in non-monetary ways that people really don't see that you, you are investing in a business, in yourself, in, in others. Again, having a business, kind of like having a baby, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you going to drop off the map? Are you going to get enough sleep? Are mm-hmm. you going to be like your best glowing together self? Mm-hmm. No, no. Mm-hmm. And the thing mm-hmm. is, nobody expects you to be when you have a baby. Yeah. If, yeah. If, yeah. If they have realistic expectations, they don't expect that. Yeah. I don't know why people expect people with businesses mm-hmm. to like have everything together. It's like mm-hmm. having a baby. So mm-hmm. straight up, my quality of life is better because I know that what I'm investing in mm-hmm. is whether it fails or not is something that has to happen mm-hmm. on my path for my purpose. Mm-hmm. And that makes my quality of life much better. There are a lot of tangible things that still need to come together for Mm -hmm. all of it to be good together. The Mm -hmm. opportunities are amazing. And I have to say this, especially on this podcast, female entrepreneur in Shanghai. Yeah. I have never in my life Mm -hmm. seen a place that has so much support for female entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. There are so many organizations and and groups and workshops for especially female entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that it made me feel a lot more confident in being able to move forward and do this. And I'm very thankful for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. So then, you know, so then let me just ask you like a personal question, you know, we're all dealing with COVID and especially, you know, we're here in China where the borders are very strictly controlled. So, you know, what's it been like, you know, for you not to be able to like see and visit loved ones? Like, how do you reconcile that? How do you stay in touch with the people who you miss? Man, I'm going to try not to cry, but I'm probably going to cry. It's been really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, My father passed away uh, about a year ago, actually. Mm -hmm exactly a year ago a year and two days ago mm-hmm. and I couldn't go home um and one of my best friends just had her brother pass away and she couldn't go home it's hard it's hard 
-hmm. it is something that cannot be understood unless you're in that position. Yeah. Um, I have three young nieces Mm -hmm. that I adore and they're just growing up in front of my eyes on zoom. Mm -hmm. And you know, like, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. You know, they're like 10, six and like, you know, four. And it's just those ages, you know, you don't get those years back. So that's very difficult. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, the way I reconcile it is knowing that I need to be the best person that I can be and the best version of me that I can be. And I know that I know, like I know inside and intuitively that this is what I have to do and who I have to be. Yeah. And some, and I know that they are inspired by their aunt Alicia who is in China mm-hmm. and they're inspired that I am creating things to help people. And that might be one of the greatest gifts that I can give to those girls. Mm-hmm. 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 So I want to be there and I can't, mm-hmm. uh, I want to get there as, as soon as I can, but it's really, really difficult right now. So yeah. Um, so then now, so now I'm going to move on to like our last question and it, and it kind of bounces off what you said, you know, about missing home, but, you know, even though like you're away from the home that, that, you know, you're used to, you sound like you've been able to create a home here. So, you know, what's your definition of home and has creating this business helped you feel a sense of home? Yeah, I think that home i know they say home is where the heart is Mm -hmm. but i i think if you really want to understand what home is home is where you feel connected and comfortable Mm -hmm. i think being an expat what i've learned is that you have to be comfortable and connected with yourself so -hmm. that you can be at home anywhere Mm -hmm. so for example when i was in thailand for two months during the uh (laughs) during the uh the covid uh yeah i the pandemic uh avoidance system so i was there for two months in thailand and i honestly felt very at home there too yeah i felt very you know i think that at this point i have learned that if you're okay and at home within yourself and you're comfortable with yourself and who you are you can be at home pretty much anywhere having this business and seeing all the people who came together to make it happen definitely makes me appreciate and understand the connection that I've, the connections I've made here. So yes, that I think that makes it feel a little bit more like home to me. And it also gives me roots Mm -hmm. for reasons not to leave. A lot of people are planning on leaving Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of expats here, like Mm -hmm. in the next six months to a year, there's probably a lot. Having this business here gives me a reason to, to take all of these connections and these beautiful things that I have cultivated for eight and a half years Mm -hmm. and put them into action to help people. Mm -hmm. And that gives me a reason to have some roots and stay. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. even if I leave in two to three years, my hope, my hope honestly is that we still have the center here and I have centers other place and I'm just going from center to center and I come back and visit China. Mm -hmm. We have to make sure that we are cultivating the connections Mm -hmm. and keeping those as much as possible so that we don't feel as disconnected. So when my father died, I insisted that I was part of writing the obituary. 
-hmm. It would have been very easy for me not to, because mm -hmm. I'm on the other side of the world. And it's, that's not an easy thing to do for anybody. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to be there. When he was first found dead, I asked a video call to see it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be there in the room with them mm -hmm. when the police and the coroner came. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know this is a hard topic, but mm -hmm. I think that people need to talk about it. Like yeah. it's very easy as an expat to avoid that other life. Mm -hmm. But if you feel that you still want to be a part of that other, the, the life that you have in that place, mm -hmm. you do have to have a lot more conscious, intentional actions and decisions mm -hmm. to stay connected with it. Yeah. And once you do that, I think it makes it a, a little easier, but it's always going to be, it's always going to be difficult. I am sure mm -hmm. it's harder for my family to be in the same house where my father was all the time. Mm -hmm. And I don't have that. Yeah. So my grief process is automatically going to be different than theirs. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to, that's going to cause a little bit of disconnect mm -hmm. because I don't understand exactly what they're going through the same way because I'm not going through it the same way. And I have mm -hmm. to own that. Mm -hmm. But I talk to them and I ask them and that allows enough connection to keep the connection strong and alive. And mm -hmm. if we can nurture those connections, we won't, we will feel like we're still converging with the other life that we have. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that that makes it easier when we go back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause the yeah. less, yeah. Cause the less you engage with the life back in your, in, in your home country, mm -hmm the more alien it'll feel to you when you go back. And that's harder. If you look at the statistics, the people mm -hmm. who repatriate, mm -hmm. it is a lot more culture shock mm -hmm. than when you actually leave the country and go to a new country, which yeah. is really weird. It's true. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and leave it there for today. And, uh, you know, I don't think that I had, had asked you to say the name of your business. So please say the name of your business before we finish. My coaching business is Creativity Consulting. Okay. And the business, the center is Soulwell Center. And we yeah. are in Jing'an, Shanghai. And we okay. would love to have you come and check out the really cool space. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I definitely will. I definitely will. And um, okay, so then like all the information about Alicia's business, um, you know, where you can find her, how you can connect with her, it will be in um, show notes and on the website. And with that, you know, I hope that everyone has a wonderful day and that they enjoyed this episode because I really enjoyed speaking with Alicia myself. Um, so, you know, have a great day as well, Alicia. And thank you so much for having me and for the beautiful in-depth questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. Okay, bye. Bye. Up next is my interview with Kenrick, a two-part interview. It was such a lengthy interview because we talked about so much. Being Black abroad versus in America, his life after retiring from a 20-year military career, mental health, and the peace that comes from living on a beachfront in Honduras, his plans for worldwide travel, and many, many, many more topics. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to hit subscribe and to stay updated, head over to arewehomeyetpodcast.com. I'm Jalila Clark. See you next time.